Well, good evening, church. There's a universal truth, I guess you say. There's a few things that are universal. Uh, laughter, doesn't matter what country you're in, if someone trips and falls, laughter is, it all is saying the same thing. Ha ha, that's funny. Um, joy, sadness, there's a few things that are, are universal to humanity. One of those things is the joy when a new child comes into the world. I mean, you can take the most cruddy attitude person and, and if someone that they love has a child and they're excited about that, it, it's hard for them to contain that joy, right? Even on a bad day, um, when a new child comes into your life, uh, it brings joy. And, and so today's passage we're going to talk about the joy that is brought in the birth of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, um, our Messiah, our God. And this is the first part of, of the next time that we meet. We're going to be doing part two of the Christ of Christmas. And we really want to look historically, who is this Jesus of Nazareth? And then next week we're going to talk about what is the significance that God became man and dwelt among us. And so if you would, let's, let's celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Now, if you don't have a Bible or you uh, forgot yours at home, on the end of every row is a Bible. Uh, that is, uh, you're going to hear me say this every single sermon. Everything we teach, we want it to come straight out of God's Word, which is the Bible. That's our authority, not me, not what anyone else thinks, but what God thinks and what God has spoken. And so that Bible, we want you to be able to read along with it. Um, but we also want, if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, that is our gift to you. Please take that, uh, for God has spoken to you. God has written a love book to you so that you may know him. And so again, that is our gift to you. We would love for you to have that. Uh, but turn in your Bible, or if you aren't there, it is on the screen behind you. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they had come together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, public, or not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was, what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Verse 23, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him 
Jesus. As we celebrate the birth of of the God-man, the first thing I want us to see in this is that the Christ of Christmas is a promise fulfilled. The Christ of Christmas is a promise fulfilled. And I'm not talking about some promise you make to your buddy about, you know, buying him lunch after he wins a bet. I'm talking about a 700-year promise. That's the type of faithfulness that God has. So um, look on the screens with me. You don't have to turn there, but to Isaiah chapter 7. As we read through this in verse 23, when it said, see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel. That was written 700 years prior. So in Isaiah chapter 7, verse, sorry, Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Also in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. And it continues on saying his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Then there's also Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And again, these are all on the screen. What these are, these are Old Testament prophets. Uh, In one of our most recent sermons, we we talked about how Jesus spoke long ago through the fathers, right? We said he spoke through the prophets, the priests, and the kings. This was how God was speaking through the prophets. They were saying these things that this was going to take place, that this is the word of the Lord, this will come true. They wrote that over 700 years ago. They wrote it down, put their name on it, and said, just watch, the Lord will will keep this promise. And so Isaiah that says um, that you will have this baby and name him Emmanuel, that was over 700 years ago. Micah, verse five, verse two, it says, Bethlehem, you are small, or Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah, one will come from you to be ruler over Israel from me. His origin or his um, going out says his origin um, is from antiquity, from ancient times. Again, two different men over 700 years ago. God uh, inspired them. God spoke through them. They wrote it down that this birth was going to take place. And wouldn't you know it, 700 plus years later, exactly how they said with the exact name and get this in the same city. And if you're a skeptic like me, maybe you're like, well, if they knew all that, well, then they could just say that their son was born in that city and name him the right name and just say he's the Messiah. You're right, they could, but he wouldn't have lived a sinless life and died on the cross and then resurrected from the dead. See, so if you can skew one aspect of it, but if you look at the whole life of Jesus, you recognize that God fulfills a 700-year promise in the birth of Jesus of Nazareth born in Bethlehem. God is faithful. I want to encourage you, friend, 
I know that tonight our church is here. Outfitter Church, the members of our church are here. And so I want to encourage you because as a child of God, I, I want to encourage you here. But I also am, am not silly in that I'm not going to assume that there's someone here who's not a Christian. And so my, my confidence is that somebody here is not a Christian yet. And, and maybe you've never ever read the Bible in your life. But I want to say to you within the context of this book, starting in the beginning with the book of Genesis and ending with the 66th book of, called Revelation, all throughout this thing we call the Bible or God's word are promises. And in your life and in anyone's life, in all of history, you'll never see God go back on a promise. And my encouragement to you, church, God's not going to give you what you want. God acts according to his promises. And when we long to be like Jesus and when we long to follow God, our desires begin to intertwine with God's desires for us. And we find what we would oftentimes call favor or God's goodness and that we have joy in all aspects of our life, even when the finances aren't there or even when the marriage is tough. We find joy because we're living out the promises of God and he's never broken a promise. And so church, I encourage you, believer, I encourage you, if you base your life on the promises of God found in his word, you will never be let down. And I want to say to you, if you're exploring Christ tonight, there is no one you can trust in the world. And, and now, hear me, I don't want to be pessimistic, okay? I trust a lot of people, okay? I trust a lot of people, but there's no one on this earth that is perfect. That only happened once, and it was this man who was born. It was God in the flesh. The promise fulfilled. Jesus came. Jesus is the only one who will always keep his promise. Jesus is the only one who you can fully rely on and never be disappointed in. And so if you're exploring this whole Jesus and religion and Christianity thing, I want to encourage you that the God who you will learn about in this book called the Bible is a God who will be ever faithful to you and will be ever faithful to keep the promises he's made if you will follow him. So we, the first thing we see in this passage in the book of Matthew is that the Christ of Christmas is a promise fulfilled. But not only is he a promise fulfilled, but he is, uh, the, the Christ of Christmas is God in the flesh right? So let's take a look at this. It says, see, the virgin will become pregnant and you will name him Emmanuel. I, I learned this this week. You, you're always learning. You never arrive. I learned this. If you're looking in your Bible and it says Emmanuel with an I, that's the Greek translation of the word. Uh, that's how they would translate it from Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament, if you ever see Emmanuel with an E, it's still talking the same thing, God with us, except the E is Hebrew. And so the Old Testament is primarily written in, in the language of Hebrew. And so anyways, I learned that this week. I, and I like to answer questions as I'm reading the Bible. And so if you're wondering there, that, that's what it means. Emmanuel, God with us. Literally, this child shall be named God is with you. And up above, Joseph finds out that his fiance, his, his virgin fiance, Right, so a virgin in that time meant a woman who was of marriage age, right? Now, this is a godly woman. And so we're trusting that virgin also means that she's 
she can't have kids yet. She's never been with a husband. She's never been with a man. And so Joseph and Mary, they have this, these two God-fearing couple. They come together. They're engaged. They're just giddy. And then he finds out she's pregnant. And he's like, wow, so many questions, right? And it says that he's a righteous man, that even in that culture, he could have shamed her so bad. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do away with this quietly. I'm not going to shame her. And God comes to him through an angel and says, no, 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 Joseph, look, bro, this is from God. God has put, God has become flesh and is inside of your fiance. You are going, your fiance is going to give birth to the savior of the world. Name him God with us. That's a crazy day. If there was Facebook, that would have been a crazy Facebook post. <laughs> Status update, wow, right? <laughs> Who knows? But, but so Joseph, God, God tells Joseph through an angel, this is from God. Name him, God is with you. And so one thing that we see in this passage is that the Christ of Christmas is God in the flesh. God in the flesh comes and he's born with basic people. Now, I don't want to play too much Mythbusters, but I want to give you an accurate representation. Mary and Joseph, in a Middle Eastern area, in ancient times, traveled long distances to get to Bethlehem, right? Um, their hometown city. He's in the lineage of a man named David. This city is the city of David, who was kind of a famous Jew, right? He was the king of Israel and the best king they ever had. So here's kind of like a hometown hero coming into his hometown. And so many times we imagine that, that Jesus was born in this uh, stable, was surrounded by animals and completely isolated. Let me, let me just give you a slightly, probably much more accurate picture. Um, they traveled to a town where they had lots of family members. Um, time does not give me, there's not enough time for me to explain, but the way that houses worked back then, it's very likely that they would have uh, it was kind of on an incline. So you walk in, go up some steps, and there's a flat area. This was your living room. Um, this was your guest room. So you had a main room, living room. Down on those stairs at your main entrance was what you would call the stable or the inn. Or, or no, I'm sorry. The inn was the guest room, uh, the stable. And so they would leave their animals out during the daytime, but at nighttime they'd bring them into their homes and then they'd put mangers, right? So if you've got a drop, you've got steps, you've got a platform, mangers right here. So the animals could eat out of them throughout the night. And so just to give a more of a historical approach, Jesus was most likely born um, in a humble setting with his family in Joseph and Mary's hometown, or in Joseph's hometown. And, and so I, I just hope that that's corrective of, you know, maybe the, the barn with all these animals. Uh, and, and I don't want to break your heart with myth, myth busters there, but I do want to say that Jesus had in every form or fashion, a basic birth, just like every other kid in that area in those times. If you were to compare lots of other gods, I'd say there are thousands of religions, but there's only one God who became a man so that he could save you from your sins. So Jesus was born to basic people, nothing fancy about Mary, and other than the lineage of David, nothing too fancy uh, about either one of them. Um, 
You recognize they're not wealthy and rich because if they were, they wouldn't have been trying to get into their family's guest room and there wasn't enough room. Uh, and so they had to stay in, in the, the stable area in the house, right? So there's, there's nothing lavish about this God. It just drips with humility, with average Joe. So Jesus is, is born to basic people and Jesus is born a basic birth. Um, he comes into the world. And, uh, it, and later on in other passages, these, these wise men come from far, far away. And, and, and they come there and they're just surrounded by family. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, right? Wrapped in that little baby swaddle. And there's nothing fancy about this at all. And to me, that's where the majesty happens. Is there is a God the creator of the universe, the one who spoke and all of this came into existence. He creates people who rebel against him in what we call sin, which means doing what God hates and going against God's plans. And, and they, they slap God in the face and spit, God in, uh, spit in God's face, metaphorically speaking. And instead of punishing these little creatures that he made, he makes a promise that in the future I'm going to send my son, God in the flesh, to live a perfect life for you and to die on the cross for you. Again, if you were to survey other religions, there's a lot of things that those gods tell you you must do to get to them. I don't know of any other, this is why I'm a Christian, I don't know of any other God who became human and died for us so that we could be made right with him. All other religions is polar opposite message. Even though it is cased in loving language, it's polar opposite when it comes to who's approaching who. So the Christ of Christmas is a promise fulfilled. The Christ of Christmas is God in the flesh, and that is the majesty. He's, he's born to basic people, and he's born with a basic birth, and that's the majesty of it is that God put on flesh. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says that um, and God became man and dwelt among them. Make sure that we've got that on there. Yeah, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God puts on humanity and comes to us. The Christ of Christmas is God in the flesh. What's awesome about this, as, as Matthew is, is uh, quoting all these Old Testament scriptures, what that's doing is Matthew wrote that to Jews. Jews knew the Old Testament very well. And so when he quotes these, he's saying, look, Jews, this is the Messiah that you guys' books are talking about. And so he's saying, if you believe the Bible, here's how the Bible's telling you that it's true. But the beautiful thing is there's also a gospel of Luke. Luke was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. And, and from his perspective, he writes the birth account, and we're going to get into that in just a second. He writes the birth account, not talking about how the Bible is fulfilled, although that it is. He's saying, look at how God is using basic, average, outcast people to do great, majestic, magical things. Because, Jew, or, but because Luke's perspective was trying not so much to impress the Jews, but he was trying to help people who didn't believe the Bible that there is a God who doesn't shun the outcasts 
actually, he uses them all the more that if you're just average, you say, I don't, I don't bring much to the table. Like, Tyler, I can't believe the hangar's not burning down because I'm sitting in here, right? Maybe that's how you feel about yourself. Praise the Lord. Luke would say to you, that's the only type of people that God uses. It's people that are unworthy to be used for something so worthy. And so whether you believe in the Bible or whether you don't, Matthew and Luke are pointing to this birth of this God, to the God who is saying it's a fulfillment of all of these passages. And even if you don't believe the Bible, you can look and see that there is a God who is worthy and he uses unworthy servants to do or to bring him glory and to do great things to help people. The Christ of Christmas is God in the flesh. Fulfillment of the Bible and valuing of those that are outcast. The third thing that we see in this passage is that the Christ of Christmas is salvation for all people. The Christ of Christmas is salvation for all. Verse 21, it says, she will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mm. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, uh, I'm gonna turn to Luke chapter two. You do not have to turn there if you want. It's on the screens, uh, but you're welcome to turn there as well. So Luke chapter two, the Christ of Christmas is salvation for all. Not only has he said name him Jesus because he's gonna pay for everyone's sins. His name should also be Emmanuel, which means God with us, that God has come. But in Luke 2, verse 8 through 15, it says, in the same, so, so as Jesus is being born, this is taking place. So two different people uh, writing the exact same story. Amazing how this works. It's a miracle. It's God's word. It's perfect. Verse 8, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. When the Messiah, who is the Messiah, the Lord, this is the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly armies or heavenly hosts um, with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, to the skies, says the shepherds said to one another let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us the next verse says they they hurried off we'll we'll come back to the importance of that later but that passage made it very clear today in Bethlehem the city of David a savior has been born to you And then this crazy thing, an angel army 
comes. When you see heavenly hosts or the God of hosts, uh, that word is very accurately translated as army, uh, meaning that God has an angels fighting on your behalf. And so uh, these angels, a multitude appear in the sky to these shepherds, right? And, and they begin saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. So many times when we, when we see this depicted in uh, stories or movies, it's these cute, beautiful, female, angelic beings that are singing a beautiful song, right? But, but never in Scripture do we ever find a female angel. We only see them revealed as males. Gabriel, Michael, right? And so we see a, a probably a much more accurate picture is if you haven't seen the haka, Anyone, raise your hand. Have you seen the haka? It's a dance. It's an old Maori, uh, like a Samoan uh, ritual dance, but they would, they would do this chant as they went into war. It's an incredibly violent chant. <laughs> Just look up the lyrics later. I'm not going to read them. Um, but the haka is now a thing that, that a lot of sports teams, a lot of soccer teams or football teams will do before a game. And, and you think of these athletes, these just incredibly strong people, and they come out and they go out to the, to the middle of the field and they stand. And, and it's this type of chant and dance where you're slapping your thighs and you're slapping your arms and you're screaming and you're doing all kinds of crazy things. It is one of the most intimidating things I've ever watched on YouTube. Go home and watch the haka, okay? But what that was, it, it was traditionally a war cry, something to rally the troops when they were going into war. And in a similar way, I think this is what's happening when the shepherds see an army of God's angels. It doesn't say singing, but if you think of an army of strong, masculine angels that do the fighting on God's behalf in the sky, in the beauty of the sky, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those who have his favor. They're giving a victory chant that the Savior has come. There is a spiritual war being unleashed on evil that the Messiah has come, the one who will take the sins of the world. And then it says that the shepherds hurried to see what happened. So we see that in these two passages in Matthew and in Luke that the Christ of Christmas is a promise fulfilled. 700 years ago, two different people wrote down that this is what will happen exactly in this way and in this city, and it happened. Christ is a promise fulfilled. The second thing we saw is that the Christ of Christmas is God in the flesh. This is the almighty, eternal God who becomes man, humbles himself to become a human, and he's born a basic birth to basic people fulfilling Old Testament promises and showing there's value for the outcasts, the last thing we see is that the Christ of Christmas is salvation for all. His name means that God is with you. He's born to save the people from their sins. And at his birth, the angels of heaven, the entire army comes 
or a multitude of the army comes and gives a victory chant that God is glorified and peace has come. I've said it already twice and I'm gonna say it a third time. There are thousands of religions. There is one savior who took on flesh and died in your place. And his name is Jesus, born in Bethlehem, the person of whom we have just heard. Jesus has come all the way for us. He's saving a people. He's saving all who are willing, and he's creating a people called the church, filled with hope, who will then take out, once they've experienced redemption, they then go out into their communities, into their towns, into their homes, into their neighborhoods, and they share that redemption with others. This message that we preach every other Wednesday is the message that gets me up in the morning. It's the message that helps me to see that everyone has an eternity where they're going to spend whether in hell, separated from God, or in heaven, in the life that God intended. You have heard that a savior was born. And please keep coming to Outfitter Church. Over the next 30 years, we're going to go through all of this Bible and see all of what Jesus did, right? But tonight, we looked at his birth. And the last, three, the last three or six services we've had, we've been looking, is he worthy? And we've been talking about what he did and that he lived a sinless life. That gets my respect right there. And then he died a sinner's death, humiliated and beaten and crucified on the cross. He was buried. He faced death. All of us are gonna have to face death. You know you're going to die, right? Jesus faced death and then he conquered it. And he says, anyone who will follow me will not face death, but will have life eternal in heaven with the Father. So you've heard the Savior was born and you've heard that the Savior died for you and is here for you. My question would be, is will you be wise like the shepherds who upon hearing the news of the Savior hurried to Bethlehem. Now again, I'm not a shepherd, but I'm not so sure that those sheep were in the best condition after they left. <laughs> but that just goes to show that there are some things worth giving up to go to the Savior. And so church, I encourage you. There is a Savior of Outfitter Church and his name is Jesus. And, it, and when we rush to follow him and when we, when we seek him, we find that his promises are always fulfilled. We find that he is the God that came to us in humility and has suffered like what we suffer. And so we can follow him knowing that he knows what we're going through. And we can be reminded that this is the savior that saved our souls for eternity. Church, we have a savior. Tonight, if you're exploring Christ, what is stopping you from running to the Savior? You heard about him tonight. You've heard about him. Several of you have been here. You heard about the Savior. My question is, what's stopping you from running to him tonight? 
whether you run to him tonight, I just want to say, if you're interested in Jesus, keep coming here. That's the only thing we're going to preach all the time. If you don't like Jesus, you're going to hate this church. We're going to preach Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and how we need to follow him. If you're really interested in Jesus, just keep coming. Keep, call me up. Let's have dinner. Let's go to the gun range. I say yes to that really easily, by the way. Let's go grab some coffee. Maybe you want to meet some of the ladies in our church. If you're a lady and you want to ask more questions about Jesus, please don't let anything get in the way of you asking the questions about, uh, that you have about God. Because right now you might think you don't have time for God, but I promise you in eternity you will regret that you didn't take time to ask those questions. I'm going to ask our band to come up. You have heard that the Savior was born. So will you, like the shepherds, run to him? I've already encouraged our church. We have a Savior and we will follow him exclusively. He is the substance and the, sub the substance of everything we do. But if you're not yet following Jesus, my question is, are you willing to follow him tonight? And so <clears throat> there's nothing special about what we're fixing to do other than I want you to con confess truth. If you want to begin chasing after the Savior tonight, I'm going to say a prayer and you can repeat those words. Um, and then I would just love if you would fill it out on that connection card that you accepted, you decided to follow Jesus today so that we can make sure you have a Bible, make sure that we can surround you with, uh, with some men or some women that can help you follow the Savior. And so I'm gonna ask just for, just for the sake of, of personal reflection, let's just close our eyes and, and bow our heads. And if you want to trust the Savior tonight, if you want to walk away from your life, if you want to walk away from your sin, it's okay, I got her. If you want to walk away from your sin, Ooh, I'm sorry, guys. And follow the Savior. I want you to pray this after me. God, you became flesh. You came and dwelt among us. You are a promise fulfilled. You are salvation for all. I want to be like the shepherds. I want to see the Savior. Today, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I ask that you would forgive my wrong choices. I ask that you would give me a new life. Jesus, I give up my goals for my life and exchange them for what you want. My life is yours. I will follow you all my days. Now, if you prayed that 
Again, just mark it on that connection card or come tell me afterwards. I'll be standing at the back of the audience and I'd love to just talk with you. This is the first step with the many steps to come of you praying, Jesus, help me. Pray for our church and we're gonna sing worship to the Lord. Father, I thank you for Outfitter Church. I thank you for the believers in this room tonight. God, help us in this season of Christmas to be reminded that that we celebrate because you sent us our Savior. God, help us to be faithful to get to know the people of Bar None and to get to know the people of Casper. Get to know them and to be able to understand what it is that they love about life and who it is you've created them to be so that we can faithfully tell them about the God that loves them and what it would look like to follow Jesus. God, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.